Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Everyone has a unique superpower. What's yours? Tune in each week to get expert advice on creating the life you've always dreamt of. Be the change you wish to see. Ignite your inspiration. Fuel your purpose. Live your passion. And Fired Up with CJ.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fired Up with CJ show. Today, we are going to be talking to Jeff Cox, and we are talking to him about this book, Instructions for Spiritual Living. It's a compilation of work from Paul Bunton. So welcome, Jeff. Hi, CJ. Good so to tell, see you. tell me a little bit about how, the genesis of this book and, and um, how you, how, why you decided to put together. Okay, I, um, I work for a foundation called the Paul Brunton Philosophic Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I'm a volunteer. We have 12 board members and we all volunteer. But I have a, I've been doing this now intensively for about seven or eight years since I retired from as the publisher for Snow Lion Publications, mm-hmm. which was, I think, the leading Tibetan Buddhist publishing house in the United States, really in English in the world. Mm-hmm. And that company... Um, in 2012 sold to Shambhala Publications. Shambhala is a big name in spiritual literature and they were a bigger company and they were very interested in what we had done and so they bought our company and of course I was a CEO so you get by <laughs> right so like that and but to my pleasure you know I got to uh, very quickly after the foundation contacted me and Paul Brunton was actually one of the first very first uh, teachers that I ever studied back in the late 60s and early 70s. And I learned so much from him at the time when I had so many questions, you know, about spiritual subjects. I, I found him through a yoga teacher in Columbus, Ohio, where I was raised. And I had, was asking her all kinds of questions. And she said, you know, you really should read Paul Brunton. So this was, just to put it in the context, it's the late 60s, early 70s. And there was a small group there that would study Paul Brunton. He had actually come to Columbus, Ohio in the 50s and started a, a meditation circle at a local church. I um, found out that, well, for one thing, he was still alive, living in Europe, but that he had a student named Anthony Damiani who lived here in Ithaca, New York, which is where you're talking to me from today. Mm-hmm. And I... Uh, after I graduated from college, I decided to move here to be part of this study group. And it, he was um, a meditation teacher, but he was very interested in spiritual philosophy, East and West. And he 
freely, basically. I don't think he ever accepted any money for any classes. He had another job and he had a family to take care of, but he would somehow manage to teach classes maybe five days a week. And he had a bookstore, and eventually we built a study center, a meditation retreat place with four buildings. And I was a big part of that process in the early 70s. And in the 70s, I met Paul Brunton. I went to Europe a couple of times. He was living in semi-retirement by that time. And I spent perhaps a couple of weeks total in these two trips. It's interesting, Paul Brunton, because he's... If you look in the book, there's a lot of endorsements, and some of them are names that you might recognize that are, you know, teachers that are sort of senior now, like, um, oh, well, there's Muji and Georg Feuerstein and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, some of the older ones, but some of the newer ones that endorsed uh, Paul Brunton recently are like Ajashanti, Gangaji. And uh, those are probably two of the more popular teachers of contemporary yeah. teachers. So some of these people say, oh, he was one of the greats, you know, that mm. brought Eastern spirituality to the West. Mm. And in fact, in the er he grew up in London. And in the early uh, 1930s, he was encouraged by circumstances, interests, and other people to travel to India and meet um, teachers there. He had already had mystical development as a teenager. It just sort of came spontaneously to him when he was like 16, 17. Mm. He described, he said, I, I had some of my most profound mystical experiences when I was but a teenager. But when he goes to India, he writes a book after this visit called A Search in Secret India. Have you ever heard of Ramana Maharishi? Mm -hmm. The Beatles guru. Uh, that was... Is that a different one? Yeah, that was... Uh, the Transcendental Meditation Teacher, okay. Mahesh Yogi. Okay, sorry. But Ramana Maharshi, he's actually the root guru of um, Papaji, who then fostered Muji and Gangaji. And, and also, uh, okay, got it, yes. Ramana is looked to by a lot of Vedantist teachers, Advaita Vedanta, the new, the non-dualist teachers that are current. So... You see, like Muji, when you see Muji teach, he's got a picture of Ramana next to him and a picture of his other teacher, Papaji. So these are like philosophically, whether they knew right. him or not, they're like their root teachers. Uh, so Pop got to meet Mahar Mahar Ma Ramana Maharshi. Okay, and that's the it. teacher. He, in this book, Search in Secret India, he, in, he basically writes this book and it becomes a bestseller across the world. It's published. Mm -hmm. by, the, like the biggest publisher in England and in New York City, Dotton at the time, and um, Penguin Random House is the current one in the UK. The book sell, sells in 20 languages. It sold mm. over a million copies, you know, one of these things. And it really awoke the West to mm. Eastern spirituality. So I don't know if this, this part is particularly compelling, but... The thing is, is he went on to write 10 other books, and he was, um, you know, like Bill Nye, the science guy, when right. there's a question about science on PBS yes. or something, they call in Bill Nye, come in, Bill, tell right. us the truth about global warming, you know, right. it's awfully hot out here. Yes. Um, so, Paul Brunton was like the Bill Nye of Eastern spirituality. Mm. He was invited all over the world. He traveled for for de a few decades, actually, to many, many countries, and he gave lectures and in addition to his books. He never wanted to be seen as a guru, mm. more as just a, a teacher. You know, I'm, he's offering the teaching is what's really important. It's really the teaching that liberates us. And not, was he a professor, or what was his? I know that he uh, had spiritual experiences. He wasn't a professor. A professor. I, I actually don't know if he went to college. Now that you mention it, yeah. It, he served in World War One in England. You know, he was in the tank corps. He then, oh, he started a number of businesses. One of which, the Atlantis Bookshop in London, is still in existence over a hundred wow. years. And um, he had some magazines on like self improvement and wow. You know, get successful, those kinds of, you know, self-help yeah. kind of things. Yeah, he would, are, he would be a sensation on the internet now. Or you, he'd have his YouTube channel yeah, like and YouTube a sensation channel, now. Sure. He'd, be doing, he'd be interviewing people like you because, <laughs> like you do, because he's, 
he was always interested in who's teaching what and like all kinds of aspects mm. of spirituality from clairvoyance, you know, people, palm readers, astrologers. That would uh, be like me. Yes. That's yeah, very mystics similar. of various kinds, you know, whatever it was, he, he, he was, he considered himself a researcher. Yeah. And, but he had profound access. I mean, you read these stories in some of his books about how he'd be in the Egyptian desert, right? He went there to explore the pyramids, the great, especially the Great Pyramid and the Sphinx. And in the desert, he just happens to meet this person sitting out, sort of meditating on a rock out in the middle of nowhere, who has a message for him, right? <laughs> put in his book. So he says, we, we know the work you're doing, and we want you to give this message to the West. And the message, actually, I'll tell you, since this is a talk show and I'm talking, uh, the message was, don't open the tombs. Oh. Because they've been sealed with, you know, forces, occult forces, that oh. you let, you're letting loose on the world when, when these tombs are opened. And so, <laughs> uh, but, Too late but, for that. Uh, People aren't going to listen to that, right? Because there's gold in those tombs, right? And yeah, you know what I mean. So, but there's there's a cult. He was very interested in the occult, the subtle aspects of things, that and forces. You know, the forces of for good and for uh, evil, we could call it, or you know, the forces that create obstacles in our lives. Mm. So, how did this book come to be? Well. He wrote these books, these 10, 11 books, eight of which are still in print 80 years later. And part of, because I was a publisher, part of what I did when I came on the foundation was to get four, four of the ones that had been briefly out of print, back in print through mm. another publisher, North Atlantic Books. And, um, I, and so I knew of this this material, these essays, he had written these essays on each one is on a kind of an important key topic in spiritual development. And it had been published in a, in a different form, not the not exactly the same essays, I added a couple and I removed a couple. But I re I saw what I saw in this book was that this is a manual for spiritual practice. Mm. This is the book I wish I had had back in the 70s. When I had started and I had certain questions and I was bound to face certain obstacles on the spiritual path, um, it could have helped to alert. And I think that's what this book can do for people is it gives perspective on a number of, there's like 12 chapters in there. There's, you know, one on the need for a guru. There's one on the stages of meditation. You mentioned you're interested in that. There's one on, there's three chapters on emotional purification and surrender of the ego. There's one on probations and tests of the aspirant. In other words, what are some of the, you know, like when you try to give up smoking, you say, I'm going to give up smoking. Like, I'm going to be a good person this week. Whatever, whatever it is that you set out for yourself. And sure enough, as soon as you have an intention like that, you'll run into some situation that challenges you and shows you how committed you are to that intention that you had mm. so these are these are natural life processes actually and he discusses this in this chapter on tests and probations of the aspirin so then that's followed by a chapter on grace because we need help in this matter of living you know grace is really what aretha or yeah it was aretha franklin right singing amazing grace Anyway, it's, it's, you know, literally true. It, the spiritual process is a process of amazing grace. Mm. And, you know, that saves us from our involvement with things that actually counter the kind of, I would say, almost the kind of glory that we know is possible for us mm -hmm. as human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's followed by a chapter on what is enlightenment. Like he calls it insight. That's the term. And then a couple chapters on the need of asceticism or not, and also is the world, like some people say, the world's not real, mm -hmm. you know, we should just get over it, it's just a dream, whatever. I mean, emptiness, it's all empty. Well, you know, yeah. It could be misunderstood, it could be taken in a way that is not really what Paul Brutton might call the final right. completion of the path. So what I find interesting is you've pretty much 
started off following him, you even developed a, a, um, a publisher that published his work, you know, and, and was kind of went down this path of, of publishing yes. kind of spiritual stuff. So it seems like he was really critical to your whole life. I mean, your whole life path was based on his yes. work. Is yes. that fair to say? Well, I, you know, I started studying PB and that was in the late 60s. In 1984, a friend, a local... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Local friend in this group I mentioned that under this teacher and we had the study center, he was involved with um, a startup publishing company that wasn't doing so well financially, but he, this person had connections to the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. I mean, close connections to mm-hmm. the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. And he was about to, the Dalai Lama had given him or given this small company the first two year trips that he took to America and Canada, all the lectures he gave at all these different. Oh, wow. It's the book is called kindness, clarity and insight. And it, it, it was like in the hands of this company that was falling apart was, you know, one person really dedicated. I was doing a different job. I was actually involved with the company that designed the first computer to do astrology charts. Oh, you know, okay. used to do it by hand. It would take yeah. an hour. Well, this person that was also in our group, he was a, from I- India, an engineer. He developed a, a fancy calculator that would generate a chart in one minute. And right. I would travel around the country and actually overseas selling this thing and meeting astrologers and talking astrology. It was really interesting. But at some point, it got things changed. And this friend offered me, he said, you want to come and try to get this company going, Snow Lion. And so for the next 30 years, that's what I did. I worked with him. We had like 15 people and we built a company, a mail order business. We published 300 titles. So I I had a fair amount of involvement with publishing, but especially with Tibetan Buddhism. Have you had any brush with these Tibetans that are, I'm sure, all over the West Coast? Not a lot, no. I mean, um, no. Personally, no. I'm um, kind of a non-dual tantra path. But my husband just came back from a meditation retreat with some Tibetan Buddhists, and they're lovely. I mean, and they're serious. They're serious scholars. I mean, it's about, I guess, opening awareness. Someone had said that you know, uh, along the tantric path that most of the practices either work on opening three different bindus, the bindu within your body, the root chakra, your heart chakra, or your third eye, awareness, heart opening, or body opening. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems like uh, the practice that he's with right now is about opening up this you know, third eye kind of opening up to awareness and recognizing that it's empty. So that's all, that's all I know. <laughs> and, and he told me all about his workshop, which is the most fascinating, mm-hmm. deep, interesting work that I've really heard. It's very interesting. Yes, there's all kinds of teachers of different capabilities as far as able to teach to the West, you know. And, yeah. Um, they have a highly ritualized, a highly developed system of practice yeah. that some people, it fits some people and it doesn't fit others. But it became very popular in the in the 90s and especially um, the Dalai Lama won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1989. That way upped his popularity and uh, also the amount of security that was around him. Yeah. You, used to be, you could just kind of hobnob with him, but now when he travels, there was always like you know, the, the Department of State and other people wow. securing him. So anyway, in the 90s, it was the year of Tibet. And I think what it was, was um, the West responded to the Tibetans' plight, you know, like mm-hmm. China had taken over Tibet, and many of them went into exile to preserve their culture. 
and came to the West. Many of them came. Some came to Ithaca. We had a resettlement group here. Wow. In fact, the Dalai Lama's Western Monastery is here in Ithaca, New York. What? I had no idea. Wow. Namgyal really? Monastery. Yes. Wow. Okay, so five, let's talk about five, test and probations, because this is a perfect segue into test and probations. Okay, I mean, so tell me a little bit about the concept, because, you know, here is this spiritual Nobel Peace Prize winning Dalai Lama, and he, what, in terms of test and probations, I mean, how... Well, certainly the test for him, and he often mentions it, was how do I remain compassionate towards the Chinese, who are very often brutal and torturing and suppressing the Tibetan culture. Mm -hmm. But this is like he's so committed to an understanding, the value of compassion, that he refers to the Chinese as his brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. You know, he just, he has a disagreement with their ideas, at least their government's ideas, but there are in fact many Chinese people follow him. Mm -hmm. So... But what PB um, talks about with tests and probations is it's it's something like what I was saying before about if you decide that you you want to go on a spiritual path, well, it's because you you have some vision or intention to achieve some kind of unity, uh, some kind of non divisiveness in yourself. Mm -hmm. So the Sometimes it's conceived that, well, I'll do that by transcending my personality, which is often just naturally in a state of division, you know, conflicting interests within myself and so on. Right, the spiritual uh, bypassing, you mean. The, okay, good, you got that. The spiritual bypassing. So, spiritual bypassing, we do learn some things along the way. We learn, for instance, that to disidentify to not think we're only the body, physical body, the emotional nature, our thoughts and feelings. We're not just that. We're more than that. You mentioned awareness, you know. So, touching the ground of awareness in us is a liberation outside of what we used to think of as ourselves. Right, right. Often what happens, we get a glimpse of that. We have some kind of, it might last a minute, a second, a minute, right. an hour, a day, a week, right. six weeks, six months, but usually it, it will pass. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you hear a lot in non-dual circles about awakening, like, oh, this person's had an awakening. Well, do they mean like it's permanently established in them? They're always in... No, they just mean a spiritual experience of which they recognize that something, okay, something about what they've seen in life is different. They have another reality of life that they did not have. know was right. there until they awakened into that. And I think that that is on a path of knowing that something else is there helps you seek that which you've noticed or understand it which then helps stabilize it, I think. But that's, that's at least what I think. What do yeah. you think? It no, means? no, no, no. What you're saying, I think, is right on. Because in Tibetan Buddhism, they call it an empowerment. You go for an initiation. Mm. That's supposed to introduce you to that state. But most people, they go and they, they, get, they might get some good vibes from the teacher, mm -hmm. from the ritual, but they don't necessarily get the insight into mm. that kind of what PB calls a glimpse. Mm -hmm. okay. Many people these days talk in terms of glimpses. Mm -hmm. So you get a glimpse, and as you said, now you know what some, you have a different orientation that you see, right. see is possible. There's a different orientation possible. Um, PB talks about the witness becoming like a witness consciousness. Well, that's one of the stages of realization is to become, it's, it's more than become, thinking that you're the finite embodied ego in the body, as it were. Um, it's not the final step, but if you have a taste of it, then you know, oh, it's really true. I could be the observer of my, what I called myself, but it's now more like I'm the observer of Jeff, or you're the observer of CJ, and you right. can, it, it, you have some distance now. And, and so, from that perspective, you can behave quite differently. You can evaluate situations differently. You can evaluate what comes up internally and what comes toward you externally differently because you have this new orientation. Right. But let's say it goes away. Now, why does it go away? 
Do you have any idea? Well, I, I think because it need, you need go- concentration and you need to have practice and it needs to be developed into a habit. A one, I mean, I've had, um, fortunately or unfortunately, have had lots of different, um, I guess you're calling them empowerments or glimpses. And yes. I, I, sadly for me, the glimpses and empowerments come before understanding. Um, sure. And they yes. don't, what? Yes, that's often the case. Yeah, and I, I would say that they don't, stabilize because I just either don't have an understanding of what's happening and I get scared. That's what's happened to me. Or, yeah, I guess I've, I, now I do have an understanding and I'm grasping for the previous glimpses that I have and can't get (laughs) any more. They don't come back the same. No. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know. I guess part of it is lack of understanding, fear, those are for me what I, I think were the reasons why those glimpses didn't stabilize. And and yes. I think sometimes it's um there are kind of glimpses. I it, I think of the glimpses as you were to referring to as one of your chapters is Grace. Grace comes along and says, Bonk, CJ, see? Uh, Did you realize yeah. that XYZ even was existing? And I said, I'm like, what was that? Like, literally, what was that when I went to sleep and I actually went into the void? I just saw nothing. I was nothing. And I and, and it was conscious little, of it. Yes. Yeah, and I was conscious of it and terrified to go to sleep every night because I popped into the void. So I got curious. What is this? How does it or what? Yes. And, and then I got scared and then I got curious and then I just didn't continue. <laughs> and then I thought, one day I'll figure this out. And <laughs> I have, but it's taken probably... Seven years from the initial experience to know what very that was. Very short time. When you look at many lifetimes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's like a very quick process. Okay, okay. You said seven years. I was expecting 20 years or something. No, yeah, no. Well, that's why I have this show, so I can figure out, you know, these experiences that I've had over a period mm. of time. It's mm. a deep devotion, right, to understanding and yes. learning. And I think it's to finding the truth, you know. Yes, it, exactly. Yeah. So that's at least at least my experience. How about you? What what do you yes. think why people so, don't stabilize? Well, I think you've touched on a couple of things. When I first got involved in these matters, there was something deep in me said, I want to understand. Mm-hmm. Really wanted to understand. This was before Well, I had a little bit of an opening in meditation, but but it was before I knew much of anything, and I, I just, I knew that there was so much more to life. In fact, that was a moment of grace for me, and now I'm going to come back to what we're talking, where I reached a point in my 20s when I was in college where it just came up internally. I think PB calls it the, the um, internal word, the interior word, mm. it's the chapters. Okay. Where this voice, like, it was, sounded like my voice, but spoke right through me was, is this all there is? Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing pretty good scholastically, but mostly I'd achieved certain, I grew up kind of a shy kid and mm-hmm. kind of awkward, a little bit behind the way the class was, you know, sort of sexually immature, mentally kind of backward and slow in some ways because I just didn't know what I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. But I reached this point in my 20s where I'd kind of taken care of all these different things. I was in a rock band. I had a little bit of celebrity. And, you know, it was kind of like, okay. Yeah, you overcame a lot of those kind of whatever. The things that might hold people, you know, like, oh, just want more of this or that. And so I'd reached a place where is this all there is? And so that kind of just opened my mind to, Mm -hmm. like, there's got to be more here. And then things started to happen. That was like a transition point, a grace point, as you mentioned. Um, So it is important that we understand, you know, life doesn't come with a manual. It's hard enough, even without bringing in the whole spiritual dimension. But usually, yes, you have the experience, you know, you, you meet somebody who is highly developed right you're in their presence you sense something energetically about them something about their focus Mm -hmm. something about their heart presence you're it's that's that's your responding to them Mm -hmm. it's it's your experience 
you, it means you're open because somebody else might meet this person and go, eh, you know, nothing. But if if you have a resonance with the person, that means your own systems. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Psyche, body, mind is opening to mm-hmm. that. That's true. So mm-hmm. that's, an in, that's actually an introduction. So mm-hmm. a, a good teacher will show like what's possible for you, mm-hmm. but, but leave it up to you to develop. So... That's another topic we can get into, but understand. Well, I'll just, I'll, can I just follow up with a quick story yes, about sir. that? That kind of sure, kind of sure. makes it tangible. So, yes. um, I, I'm actually fairly open, um, for better or worse. My heart is open a lot, and so that gets me into tricky scenarios sometimes. Um, however, I was open to my teacher. But then over time, as you deepen and appreciate your teacher, it's like a devotional quality, not like um, it's just so much gratitude for what my teacher has done that literally I will like I went I go to see him live in Berkeley and I'll see him and my heart just like like it just opens up like mm-hmm. i mean my heart i'm pretty open but it's kind of like you know like, <laughs> like yes. a peacock or something yes. and and i'm just filled with love and i'll sometimes i'll just start crying i'm like yes. what is happening to me i'm like those crazy yes. girls from the beetle who get frantic no. and they're crying yes <laughs> i'm like yes ah. so i think that's what you mean is that there's yes. this kind of devotional quality sorry yes. i didn't want to interrupt but no, we're no, talking no, about beautiful. why people stabilize but i think it's finding a teacher that you open with and resonate with energetically is i think where yes. you're going but what are some other reasons for you sorry i didn't well, mean to interrupt you no 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 no, no. Oh, uh, pb writes somewhere i believe in tears yeah you know, the tears are a way that the Incrustations on the heart, the things, the the places we hold ourselves closed, mm-hmm. the f- layers of fear, the doubt, the self-judgment. Um, you know, actually, these are some of the obstacles. You know, the way we judge ourselves and others. There's um, the way we doubt our capability, the way we doubt our own spiritual reality, um, and. Devotional tears are a way the whole being, your whole being, responds to that movement of grace. It's really a yeah. movement of grace in you. Interesting. I never even thought about that. That's interesting. You. Yeah, really. Yeah. It's like that. Um, fear. Yeah, we're used to certain orientation in the world. You know, I need to know I have a cup of coffee in the morning, although I don't drink coffee. But, you know, whatever you do, you get up, you have your routines. These routines make us feel grounded. Yeah. Whereas spiritual opening is totally ungrounded. When you're really open, you're like your your psyche is like a bubble floating in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a kind of openness and it's ungrounded, but it is free. Mm-hmm. And right. but because you're grounded now in something different, you you learn to ground in the wisdom that's available in the moment, the mm. way tuition is moving you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's that kind of sensitivity when the heart, when your heart and mind are really developed and open, you have a sensitivity that can just kind of move through life with very little agitation, I would mm. say. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I can see that as if, if you have a, a glimpse that, you know, you're working against habitual routines against all of that, right? It's kind yeah. of like, no, CJ, go back to 
doing this. Yeah. You need emails to answer, not whatever is happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could answer your e- learn to answer your emails from that place, but it's hard. But, I've tried. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it's hard. You know, I remember when I, you know, busy working, sitting behind a desk, at you know, at any any kind of email, any kind of problem could come in the door at any minute. I mean, we had a company with a fair number of people, a lot of customers coming through, and, you know, a website that wasn't always perfectly functioning, <laughs> and, you know, things, people that were in trouble, and, like, the person needed to take off work, or, you know, whatever, the roof was leaking, onto our inventory, you know, whatever it might be, but how to stay really present and not go into that kind of anxiety reactivity. So, not that action isn't necessary, but it's like the place from which you move, like how to, you know, finding that place. And I have to say, after 30 years, I failed. I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I had plenty of practice and that's all adds up. Maybe it's like your seven years, you know, but it all kind of adds up. But it, it, um, it it's coming easier, much easier now that I'm retired. <laughs> Because I can pace myself, you know, instead of having to get up and get out the door in less than an hour or something in the morning. I, I'm usually from pajamas to the door about three hours now. <laughs> I, I have the same thing, Jeff, because I had I, um, three weeks ago, I got a concussion, a mild concussion. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And so I literally can't think the way that I did before. Like I can't multitask. I would be doing like three things at once. I literally can't do three things at once. I've had to say to my husband, I'm like, let me finish this thing. And then I will go over and do the thing that you've asked me, or I can't let me just finish this one thing. So my brain is literally not the same brain, right? At least for now, hopefully it will resume or maybe not. A dear friend of mine said, like, what kind of message do you need from the universe, not the thing? Like, or don't you think that was the supreme message that you got? I literally can't think the way that I used to. Although also an uh, side effect of the concussion is that your the irritation level that I have is like through the roof. Like I, and I don't know whether it's the tension. I don't know whether it's the test and probation, right? You can't think the way that you used to. So I'm, I'm literally, I'm a planner. I'm planning things out like down to the 20th step into the future. And, and, uh, I literally can't, I mean, I was trying to pack for a three day weekend and I Mm -hmm. just stared. I was like, I have no idea if I'm packing all the right things. I know I have, you know, underwear, some pants to wear on the bottom and a shirt like this is the best I can do and I just threw it all in the the, but it it has been a test in probation because I literally have not been able to think at and and or have tolerance for multitasking anymore it's very strange but I wonder if it it sort of in a way knocked you out of your location it did lock knock me out of my location because my Normal yeah. is kind of like, dee, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. my mind is like going yeah. into 20 you know, different directions. Right. It's, it's yes. like, I just have one band now. <laughs> yes. I used to have multi-bands crossing each other. Now there's just one band. And to my detriment, I mean, to my, I have um, right before getting on to this um, radio show, yes. I was going through a thousand emails and I'm down to f- I knocked down half of them and since I think I've been working since 10. So 10 to 11, like three hours, I knocked down a half of them and I have another half of which I have to book uh, upcoming radio shows, which you have no idea. It's like a, a nightmare because someone who's having cognitive issues, like going to their calendar and booking this and get, it's just like a nightmare. But but, uh, yeah, so anyhow. But you're doing great here. I yeah, mean, no? Yeah, I, I guess. If you told me, I wouldn't say, oh, that's CJ. She's a little off today. <laughs> she's, you know? a, she's a little <laughs> off all the time now. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm tracking a conversation. I'm present. We're talking about tests and probations. Yes. We're still talking about glimpses and yes. why they don't occur. But I'm hearing routines, um, 
and uh, the fear, doubt, self-judgment, yes. are those some of the other reasons why? So, um, it basically, you're attached, the things you're attached to and the things that you resist. Okay. So, <laughs> your, your habits, for instance, your habits are things that you're probably attached to. We kind of, or even like your roles, like you sort of might see yourself as a multitasker and maybe you pride yourself in being a multitasker yeah. or might have, you know. So if, if life is asking you to slow down a bit, you could feel the conflict in that. No, I, I really feel more myself when I've got 10 things on my plate and I'm, you know, juggling them all at one time. So, you know, it's like that. You're, you're being shown something maybe through this concussion. Yeah. Let's say the glimpse, the glimpse that you had, um, you were shown something and, and say it really has a tremendous value to you. That's like a light shining into your life, that glimpse, that memory of that. And the light's going to show up the places that are not in alignment with those higher ideals. I started to mention something before we're seeking some kind of unification. I mean, when I first got started in these things, I imagined it was some kind of union with God. That's the way I imagined it. I had a Christian background, and I, and I, and, and but it's not unlike any mystical pursuit. Uh, it can be termed that you could substitute the for the word God something else, but it's some kind of sense of union, unity, lack of division, lack of suffering that comes from conf conflict. So, where, what are the places in us that counter that, mm -hmm. you know? And this is like the, the chapters on emotional purification and so on are often just taking a good hard look at those traits, those things that we like to do perhaps even that are counter to us making our own like deep internal, like a deep dive into ourself. Mm -hmm. What keeps us floating to the surface like a cork in the water? Mm -hmm. you know, we try to meditate. Maybe we go in, we could get into some quiet, and then something comes up. Like, oh, so-and-so, that, you know, the phone conversation. or And you might dismiss them, but why do they keep coming up, you know? Mm -hmm. but, what is this? Why can't I just sink into the quiet that I know is there in my heart? Mm. And yeah, it's so, interesting. Yeah, I get it. So, like, for me, I'm I'm kind of going into, so I have a concussion, and the things I'm attached to, I've, you know, I came from a high-tech background, and it's all intellectual property, it's similar to publishing, right? Your ideas are, yes. and being smart is how you're valued, and so that, and that was my upbringing, so to speak, and I'm also from an Asian background, so that's completely just like a, you know, emphasizing that even more so if you're no longer intelligent academically performing well uh you know it's like that's an attachment that i have had to give up because i can't i literally can't do i mean i i can't do the same types of things for now and i hope that i hope it comes back i mean i hope it comes back but that i relate to it like Actually, that was a good time when I didn't have to think so much. It was actually a nicer time than the time that now I'm, I had to do a presentation, two presentations back to back last week. And, and I, so I had to put together a, two PowerPoint decks and I had to like practice and deliver and they were like, you know, whatever number of people in an online group. And I was like, you're lucky I just even arrived. Like I put together these PowerPoints and uh, my head, it felt like a cleaver was going through my head. It hurt so bad putting together those PowerPoints and then listening for feedback and then editing those PowerPoints and then coming up with another set of PowerPoints and delivering. It was like, it, it hurt my head so badly. And I thought, I wonder if this is happening normally. I just don't, you don't recognize the cognitive load and stress yes. that putting a PowerPoint presentation puts mm -hmm. on your brain mm -hmm. until your every cognitive move hurts mm -hmm. you. I mean, it literally was hurting mm -hmm. my head. I'd have a splitting headache. And I thought, wow, I'm now conscious and aware that probably each time I'm doing these PowerPoints and presentations and running off creating whatever, which is what my <laughs> modus operandi is. I'm a creator, you know, so 
<laughs> but yeah. those things have a huge cognitive load. And now I'm aware of like, wow, yeah. I was not aware until I had a brain that can't handle a lot of capacity and it hurts really badly. <laughs> so the question I guess I comes to my mind as I listen to you is um, – How does this serve you, this particular kind of intense lifestyle that you've had? Right now, you're not so yeah. able to do it. But what is it serving in you? You know, because I know from my own case that I have can go through periods of frenzy, basically activity frenzy. And, um, and then at the end, I'm just exhausted. So, no energy to meditate, no energy to really be mindful. It's just, it's like the system, it, it's, it, it's kind, of a, kind of an extension of the survival mm -hmm. impulse, you know, like, to succeed, I need to be whatever, however that got programmed in you. To mm -hmm. succeed, I need to, it has to look like this. I'm going to be achieving more than anybody because I can multitask and I've got all these things going on. Mm -hmm show is called fire it up and right. you're, you want to be running on all cylinders all the time right perhaps yeah in yeah. i'll mention something in in greek philosophy they talk a lot about the irrational soul and the rational soul mm -hmm. well the ir irrational soul is pretty much does what drives it its modus operandi is desire and anger or resistance you know what i want what I don't want. It's what I, it's what as a separate, as a separate entity, you know, this thing, as a separate entity, what do I need to, to really make it? And you know, the whole thing of what's enough, you know, <laughs> there's really no, from that perspective, there's nothing that's enough. Make me king of, well, they offered Jesus in the mm -hmm. desert. You want to be king of the world. So yeah. it kind of comes to that, like, mm -hmm. You know, you kind of have to think, well, what is it that I really want here? What? Mm -hmm. Because if, I, if I'm not going to be happy till I'm king of the world, will, will I even be happy then? I probably want to go to Mars or something. You know, it's like that, that part of us, the irrational. What irrational, I think, actually means is that we seek the happiness outside ourselves that only actually is within us. You know, they say that's that example of you got diamonds in your pocket, but you're concerned about getting to work at your job that pays you minimum mm -hmm. wage, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you got to work two jobs in order to make enough money to, to buy food. <laughs> but if you'd ever just take the time to stick your hands in your pockets, you, you might. Oh, no, I'm, 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 I'm only grabbing my head because this is all relating to me. Okay, so I'll <laughs> tell you how I'm knitting this together in my in my brain. So I'm actually looking at this uh, test or probation, which is I was literally running. Okay, so I'm, this, is, this is really what happened, how I got the concussion in the first concussion. place. Yeah. I'm running because I'm actually training myself. So I'm doing a lot of really hard physical pushing myself for a big walk. I'm, I'm going to do the Camino de Santiago. So I'm literally like doing weights and I'm running like at six in the morning. I'm running back. And I'm sprinting at eight and uh, to make, to make, and it's like 7.45. And I, <laughs> I'm trying to make an eight o'clock meeting that I'm going to do on the phone for coaching. Oh. So I'm still sweaty. So I've got to go back and I'm like maybe going to take a shower, but oh, I'm running out of time to take a shower. So I'm running, <laughs> running down the street. And then the, there was like a little dip in the sidewalk and I fall and my forehead literally goes into the, and so I was viewing this not as a test or probation, but I'm reframing this as a glimpse. You know, I, don't, I didn't think of it. I haven't really thought of it as a blessing or a grace-filled action because it doesn't feel good. Well, <laughs> but, they don't always feel good. I know. So they like, come in the form of pain. Yeah, so this is my, my – I'm actually seeing this empowerment or glimpse or grace as being really painful. But I, but what's interesting is that I can definitely see, and you know, if, even if I think about what you know, the 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 
what was setting it up was I was rushing, trying to do too much, get too much done. And I literally got stopped by the universe. My head went into a brick wall. Yes. (laughs) And so... I, I can see the kind of magic and really the thing that you're talking about, the rational mind and the irrational mind. And it's not the th- rational, rational soul, rather. The rational, it, it, and that's a movement that what motivates it is a, a will to the good. Right. It's not about thinking, although understanding right. is important to understand really what life's about. Right. But it's more of a real full, full movement full energetic movement towards your aspiration towards what is really good what is the what is what is wholesome what is whole yeah and well my rational soul is like i'm good i'm actually doing this coaching i'm helping this person out i had like three coaching calls back. but there's rationalization (laughs) okay that's that's the way that power of of um uh, that that power that can order our universe for us mm-hmm. when it's used to just justify our desires and the things ah, yeah. we'd rather not have when when we use it that way it's it's sort of being subsumed under this other power ah. that that is all about more and more and more like i think well if i only can do the marathon and the <laughs> and, and give 10 lectures a day <laughs> I mean, no one will deny that I'm worthy. I am worthy. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, I can see that my, my. so here's what I'm getting about these tests and probations. They can be an empowerment and insight, glimpse and grace. Did not see that before as probation. And they can be painful. It doesn't have to feel good all the time. That's right. um, the thing that keeps us from basically having those probations and tests be stabilizing areas of growth or, or fear. Uh, I'm writing down these notes cause I can't remember anymore. Doubt, self judgment routines to the past and how we want our attachment. Like, yeah. so my example, my attachment is, and hopefully will be reduced to getting things done. And if I get things done, then I'm worthy. And then I have self-worth and value. That's my, equation for that yeah and so really these glimpses are there to show up what's not in alignment Mm. is that right when you're with your teacher when you describe that opening that happens when you're with your teacher Uh do you feel worthy do you feel whole i do do. yeah you know what i mean it's like that's within you without what did you do oh you went and sat in his presence I mean, yeah. big deal. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like you just ran a marathon. You drove right. somewhere, you got out, you went in, and you just opened. Yeah. So to me, that's that's the thing I would use as a measure for these other things in your life. Yeah. That's because a really then, good. That's a good way of thinking of it. You know, because then you won't. The, that that's your happiness showing up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of well, I'm goal oriented right so even if the goal is to be um more in union with the divine or to find a a sense of non-separation from everything and that i'm you know i think that's ultimately right in in all these spiritual paths that i've read experienced and or been part of Mm. it's about recognizing that you are the divine it's been there all the time i don't have to do anything i don't have to run a marathon i don't have to do a great go through the tests and probation yeah i guess that's true you you have to you know (laughs) you you it's not, see, that's a misconception. That's the bypassing thing. Yeah. It's teachers that tell you you're already divine. That's true. You're, you cannot become more real, more right. wonderful in the sense of that presence, that divine presence in you. That's it. No one right. can give you that and no one right. can take it away. Right. It's already there. It's always it's there for there. all of us, not just but, you, me, everyone. Yeah. But the big B and but is that. Um, we don't know it fully because we still run, not that we have to cut out anything from our lives, but we believe we're, we're um, ingrained to think, 
look, we're rising like a lotus out of the mud. Mm-hmm. The mud is like all this, like the, all this stuff we're talking about, all the mishigas, I like to call it, of life, right. all the confusion and all these kinds of things. But um, as as it to realize that you are the the lotus, it has to you know grow out. It has to realize that the mud is not who I am, and it's it's um, maybe the analogy is falling apart here a little bit. But it's what I want to say is is this. Um, PB says we start out as an amoeba. Okay, and you could imagine how many lives it might take to reach a human, but then even as a human to become to a place where you're interested in in culture and to be interested in other people, mm-hmm. like you have this radio show, right? So you're obviously interested in what other people are doing creatively mm-hmm. and so on, and you're offering this to the world basically. Mm-hmm. So this is like a, a a work of the heart for you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that you've come to as a human being mm-hmm. uh, through all these incarnations and evolution. So now you've come to a place where you actually can offer back. But in the in the meantime, in the process of growing, you had to learn so many things. And in order to really do this kind of service well, there are, there are it's kind of required that you be in full alignment with that inner being. Mm. So all the the aspects of the person, you know, they talk, they say you got to get rid of your ego. No, you don't. You get rid of the egotism. You get rid of putting all your life energy into those what I call the ground what we normally think of as the grounding elements in our lives, what makes us feel worthy. Mm. You can just fill in the blank. When I'm, you know, these activities make me feel whatever and it's usually Something that usually what the answer that we fill in is actually something that comes from what we talked about the way you open. Mm -hmm. It's something that's inherently there. It's those inner qualities that are actually seeking embodiment and incarnation in your Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when you find something that really, like this show, for instance, Mm -hmm. that really kind of resonates on many levels for you, that's usually um, an indication that you're bringing into alignment something deep core value mm. with circumstances of your life. Mm. So I was suggesting to you, and I asked myself the same question, do you have to do something right now? I saw that. Yes, you know, we have to wrap up. But, um, okay, but uh, let me just finish this one statement. To search out those things, elements in your life that are not in alignment, and maybe they have value in themselves, but how to bring them into a greater alignment. Maybe it is to go a little slower. Maybe it is to have a few less things on your plate. Maybe it's to spend more time in relationships that really matter to you. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be lots of things, and we, we, we're we so busy running in the example you give that we, we, we miss life. Mm-hmm. Falling down in here hitting your head and by life I mean the big the big picture yeah what's really core what really at the end of the day uh somebody told me in a near-death experience wait I'm going to do a quick wrap-up and then for the radio folks and then we'll we'll talk talk. okay Okay, so we've been um talking to Jeff Cox about this book a compilation that he did uh Paul Brenton who he refers to as PB in his book the instructions for spiritual living thank you so much Oh, you're welcome. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Fired Up with CJ. You can join the conversation, contact CJ Lou yourself, subscribe to her YouTube channel, and find her Facebook page. And check out more shows online now. Get links to it all at firedupwithcj.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career 
where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.